0: This is Investor Creator. What's up, deal makers? Brad here with another episode of Investor Creator. Hope you guys are doing well and making some fantastic deals out there. Guys, we are nearing the end of the year. It's been a fantastic year of 2020. It's been an interesting year and and one that I think has been pretty difficult for a lot of people, but we bought a lot of houses. We've created a lot of equity position, and overall, it's been a good year for us. So, Really interested to see what 2021 brings to us, but 2020 has been a good year and one that if I could do over, I absolutely would, and I hope you can say the same. I want to take a couple of minutes and really just talk about trusts and the due-on-sale clause today. So uh, I know in my private coaching group, The Apprenticeship, that we've had a lot of people talk about, okay, should we put property into a trust to mitigate the due-on-sale clause? So let me just kind of define both terms. A trust is an entity that has basically two parts to it. So you have a trustee And a trustee is the person that is basically the manager of the trust and the manager of the assets in the trust. And then you have the beneficiary, which are the people or the group or the entity that gets the benefit of the assets of the trust. Okay, so it's just an entity. It's very similar to an LLC or corporation or S-Corp or whatever type of entity that you choose. And trusts are oftentimes and most of the time they're used to create uh, life planning and end-of-life planning and uh, to transfer wealth outside of probate, okay? So that's the main focus of trust. But real estate investors have used trust, especially land trusts, to get around the due-on-sale clause. So for those that don't know, the due-on-sale provision is in almost every note that has been uh, created since the, the mid-1980s, okay? Okay. And there was a big uproar in the mid-1980s about whether the due on sale clause was even legal. And it actually went all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled that the bank can, in fact, call the loan due even though there's no change in collateral position in terms of the property based on a change of ownership. And so since then, most notes have a due on sale provision that allows but does not require the bank to call the loan based on any type of transfer of title so long story short if person a transfers title to person b but doesn't pay off the mortgage then the mortgage that's in person a's name can be called the bank has the right to call that loan and um, try to get a payoff on that loan right so that's the long and short of the do and sell clause now If you read if anybody's actually read a note okay it's really interesting because most of the time there's multiple things that can trigger the due until provision so a couple of examples here any assignment of beneficial interest or any assignment of equitable interest in the property is almost always a violation of the same due until clause so it's like okay brad what does that even mean well if we have an option agreement on a property, then that option agreement, even though it's not public record, it's not recordable, it still violates the same do and so clause. So it's really interesting to me, real estate agents all the time will say, oh, you shouldn't do a sub two deal because of do and so clause, but they'll do an option agreement all day. Well, it's the same violation of the same clause. Another example is if the property is vacant for more than 30 days. So God forbid you become wealthy and you decide to go on a 31 day cruise. If you do that, do not tell your bank because they have the ability to call the loan based on the property being vacant for too long of a period of time. Okay, not all notes are that way, but a lot of notes are that way. And so a lot of real estate investors tout trust as being the answer to the do on sale clause because the trust provides anonymity in terms of who owns a property. So if John Smith owns a property, the property is indeed from John Smith into John Smith Trust, then the bank doesn't know who actually is a beneficiary of that property. The beneficiary may actually be a real estate investor. Okay, So that's what a lot of people are doing. And I think that basically what's happened is the whole guru community has come in and said, like, okay, let's create a new system, a new point of order that sounds really cool and sounds really fancy and that in itself provides value, okay? And I just don't think that that's the case. So I've actually had lunch a a couple of times with my state attorney general, and I wouldn't say he's a friend or even an acquaintance. It's just happenstance we eat at the same restaurant at the same bar. And so uh, I'm able to ask him questions on occasion. And so one of the questions I asked is, you know, what do you think about someone putting property into a trust and to keep this violation of the due on sale provision from happening. And he said, well, it just kind of sounds to me like someone's trying to hide something. And I've talked to a lot of litigation attorneys that really have the same idea of that, that if you're putting things into trust, that you get in front of a judge, you're going to have to explain why you did that. And I think you need to have a better answer than we were trying to hide what was happening from the bank. right? And so I've actually heard of real estate investors that are putting a property into trust where the beneficiary is an LLC and they're selling stock of the LLC to the buyer, like 99% of the stock. And then the real estate investor is holding 1% of the stock. And the trustee of the trust is an attorney in Delaware. And it's like, good Lord, man. Like if you wanted to go and try to explain that to a judge or even worse, a jury and try to explain why in the world you're kind of trying to create this type of structure, I cannot imagine trying to explain that with this street face, right? And so what I prefer to do in terms of the do on sale clause, we have a transfer of title to an individual or a corporation. So if you want to operate in a corporation or LLC, that's 100% fine. I think that's a good idea. But in terms of like putting things into trust with an out-of-state attorney as a trustee and a corporation and shares, and, you know, and it's just, Absolutely asinine to me. I would much rather be able to go to a judge or jury and say, Hey, I could have done all of that. What we did was just a straight transfer of title. You know, so and so owns a house. We took back a note, whatever. And that's even assuming that it gets that far. So, guys, in my entire career out of 10 years, I've had two loans called based on the do on sale clause. Okay. The first was a reverse mortgage. And we know that reverse mortgages, you pretty much have a 50-50 shot of the loan getting called in the first place. So it was a deal that we were retail exiting. The loan got called. We actually closed the deal, retail exit, and paid that loan off before it really became a problem. Okay. The second one was a very, very small local bank. And I actually had the president of the bank say, hey, if you'll just Uh, continue to make payments, and that's fine. They ended up changing their mind. It wasn't worth it to me to fight it, even though they agreed to do something different, and I just paid it off. Okay, We retailed that exit as well. And it just wasn't a big deal, okay? If you have owner financed a property and you have an underlying get called, the easiest thing to do in terms of mitigating that risk is have equity positions in your notes to where you can sell the note. And through the sale of that note, you're going to be able to pay off the underlying mortgage as well. So at the end of the day, what I'm trying to do is just tell you the due on sale provision is just not as mean and scary as what it sounds, okay? Like I've not found it to be a, a big risk factor in terms of what we do. And I think I would even venture as far to say that creating these really intricate type of entities and deal structures that just don't make sense is more dangerous than the due on sale provision is in the first place, okay? And part of that is the substance over form doctrine. So the substance over form doctrine basically says, it's a legal doctrine that says, look, it doesn't matter how you create deal structure or how you create a contract or whatever it is. What matters is the substance of the transaction over the form. Okay, And what we're doing is a sale of real estate. A lot of people that tout trust are saying, well, it's really just an assignment of beneficial interest, which is personal property. The only asset in the trust is the real estate, though right? And so I would hate to, again, get in front of a judge and jury and try to tell the judge, oh, well, we didn't sell a house. We sold a beneficial interest in a trust that has one asset, a house. Yeah, I just don't think that's going to fly based on substance over form. So at the end of the day, guys, I mean, consult with your attorney, get good legal advice, get good tax advice, all of that. But I'm really kind of against these deal structures that just don't make sense. No, keep things clean. Keep things simple. Things have worked in owner financing for decades and decades, and I just don't think that that's going to change. And going through these intricate deal structures, I think, is just as dangerous and probably not more dangerous than the do on sale clause. So guys, keep that in mind. Make good decisions for yourself. Make good decisions for your business get good at legal advice, but keep these things in mind just because a deal structure or uh, an entity structure looks amazing and looks kind of fun. That does not make it a good idea. So anyway, hope that makes sense. We'll talk to you guys next time. Happy investing.